Welcome back, everyone, to uh, the Red Spotlight Podcast. This is going to be episode 148, if I'm not mistaken on that. You probably um, are. You probably are on some level. Uh, I'm Alexis, so, and I'm hosting today, and I'm joined by Peter Martinez, who I will bet you is going to say I'm alive. Peter, how are you? I am alive. I probably should have seen that one coming. Anyway, today we are going to review Roma, which was directed by Alfonso Cuaron and released on Netflix, and uh, I think it made certainly quite an impression on me and Peter, and we're just going to go ahead and dive in. We're going to talk about our general impressions of the movie uh, first and foremost, and then we're going to go ahead and get into some spoilers. Uh, it's it's going to be a good one. So here is our review. I'll just say this about this movie. Um, I think this is probably the most personal and intimate movie we've had all year long, as far as 2018 is concerned. Um, I want to make it very clear that you know this movie was, uh, in large part, you know, inspired by Alfonso Cuarón's own real life in uh, and his own family life in Mexico City in the early 1970s. It, should, it takes place 1970, 1971. Um, and essentially what this movie is about is, you know, you're watching a year in the life of this, you know, what, what is described, even though it seems that they're more than just middle income to me anyway, a middle income family, um, kind of, you know, disintegrate in the sense that their family life is kind of uprooted, uh, and changed, um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, their father is concerned. I don't want to give away too much exactly. Um, but you see changes that are happening and it's mainly based off not, you know, the family is a big part of the movie, but maybe more so is um, the um, Cleo. Cleo, who is the um, maid, the main maid for the family. It's mainly, I think, it's gazing through her perspective um, overwhelmingly in this movie. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the performances, I think, are great. It is a foreign language film, so, you know, um, there are subtitles provided. Although, if I think Peter and I... You know, we know Spanish. We speak it and we understand it, so we didn't really need it. Eh. Um, so, yeah, you do. Don't you know? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you do. You know, at, at least you understand it when you hear it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, getting that all out of the way with, I think from a technical perspective, this film is just gorgeous. And it's one that yes. I, I don't tire getting to look at. I saw it on a four on a on a fifty inch screen, and then I saw it on a sixty five inch screen. And it gets you know I think the, the movie is enhanced on the bigger screen you can possibly see it because it's made that way. I love the wonderful vistas that you know Alfonso put the camera on. I love how he moves the camera as a slow pan. You get a sense of you know the production design, especially of this. I love that it was in a black and white. I think it even looks better with the decision of making it in black and white. And then even some of the shots that he was able to capture. Um, that kind of make me go like, wow, like he was able to get, you know, a perfect shot of an airplane, you know, and, and then creating some kind of a lens flare. He was do able you, to work. Do you with, want me to dis yeah? to shatter your dreams? Oh, shatter it. Yeah, go ahead. I almost guarantee you that was CGI. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it might be CGI. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't know either. But uh, there was also. Um, some people are saying. Some people are saying, okay, what about the scene <laughs> in the ocean? Uh, no, that that's real. Because, I mean, working in the ocean is hard as well. Mm -hmm. 
I can tell you that, that I can't imagine getting a camera out there, even if you have a platform you, that you build, mm-hmm. it's still freaking hard, you know, to in, to have actors maneuver in that kind of environment. The ocean is freaking difficult to work with in a, in a in a scene. There's so but, much um, practical shit he did that was just yeah, spectacular. and that's what I got out of it. Although um, he's one uh, of those directors that knows when to use CGI and when not to. He knows how to make it also like seamless. I know we use the word seamless a lot, but he really knows. I gotta be honest, I couldn't tell seamless. it was CGI. I thought he actually got that shot. For my mm-hmm. eye, I thought he actually got that shot of the airplane going by. Like, for real. So, if it was, it's great CGI. Um, should, should, I, should I say my overall feelings on the film? Yeah, uh, I'll, just, I'll just finish with um, I think it's I love how intimate it is. I think you get a chance to grow with these, uh, with this family. Um, and it gets really emotional, uh, especially toward that latter half, things that happen. And you find yourself surprised with how much you care about these people. Um, I think, I think it's, it probably is his masterpiece. I loved it. Like, I, it, it's great. Okay. Now, let me tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Tell me why Bohemian Rhapsody is a better movie. Um, the music, <laughs> Rami Malek, the der. Oh no, wait. Uh, <laughs> we can't say that. We can't say that. No one directed the film. Um, it just kind of appeared out of thin air. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna start off with the one like glaring negative I'd probably feel with Roma because it's overwhelmingly positive this film but there's only one negative I really have with the film and it's not like it's big it's more of like a personal thing um we'll see we'll see if we talk about this um it does have that kind of old-fashioned trope of white savior that I I don't know White savior? Yes. Okay. With the family. I know they're Mexican, Uh, but there's still a clear distinction between the lighter-skinned Mexicans and the much darker-skinned who work for them Mm. and are their maids. Like, that that can't be denied. Like, that's that's very much within the culture. Um, And and it's very much... Again, I'm not attacking the film or the story... um, but it it is that sort of thing of like um like remember the blind side yeah it's this thing of well i mean green book is going through that right now yeah it it's going through a little bit of that right now because of course that movie paints you know the white man literally speaking in that case as the savior mm-hmm. i have to say to you i i see what you're saying mm-hmm. it didn't really occur much to me here Although I was expecting something along the lines when I was watching this movie for the first time, mm-hmm. I didn't think we were we were expected to like the family. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be messed up to her because that's kind of the story that I've usually seen when it comes to the perspective of a maid. Maybe I was thinking of the help too much. Well, but you know why I think that's different. Mm-hmm. I think Alfonso Cuarón was probably one of those kids. Yes. Yeah, and and I yeah, think that I think changes he... the perspective entirely. Um, yes. Of the storytelling, it, it's not an, a huge negative, but it is something. It, it's a trope that uh, 
it's not like I like I get bothered or I get I I don't know it, it it's just a trope I see and it and it's I guess it does bother me a little bit cause, just because it's 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 a really old fashioned trope. You, you get what I'm saying? I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Not once in my mind that occurred to me until you pointed it out just now. Okay. And I see that it's there, but it didn't come up in my mind. Mm-hmm. And to me, it came in large part because I th- I felt genuinely that the family loved her, that yes. loved Clay, and by the and way, treated her as part of the family. I don't want to act as if you can't have, you can't be like a maid or like a worker for someone and not have a loving relationship with them. You right. absolutely 100% can't. Um, I, I've seen it. Okay. Like, like it, it's, it's, I don't want to imply like, oh, the rich, you know, they must be mm-hmm. terrible. Like, I don't want to imply that whatsoever. You absolutely can have. And by the way, they're, the, they're describing as middle of, class, not rich here, that which yeah. kind of struck me because they, they, they came off, I think, for me, maybe upper middle class. But I think for me, I mean, I think the dad was a doctor and she was like a biologist. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and in those days, even more money, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, here's the thing. Maybe it just didn't come across that way to me because I think it was kind of I, I have a grown so used to seeing movies where. In this case, at least from my prism, the rich, uh, the rich family that has a maid, I'm so used to seeing them being mean to her, mm-hmm. treating her like shit, not considering part of the family. So much so that it struck me that that trope was turned on its head completely in this movie to where at every instance where I ex- I expected the family to dismiss her when she told them, spoiler, that she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and then at every other turn, I expected the worst. And at every turn, it wasn't at all. It felt very human, actually. It didn't feel like a movie sometimes. It felt, and I want to be very clear because I, I get pissed off when people say that. Well, it wasn't really a movie. It was an event about something else, and you know about that. Oh, yeah. That's not... That's I, a I'm shot at me, compl- by the way. Yes, but not really you, because you only said it the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I mean that in the best sense possible in this case. That's one of the reasons why I love Boyhood so much, is because it didn't really feel like a movie per se. It felt more like something you're an just experience. watching. experience. <sighs> Um, I will say, I I think the difference is I, I think most films and also particularly American films, whenever they have that sort of social dynamic, they usually Mm -hmm. like make that the, at the, the central focal point of their film of the movie. Yeah. And they really like address it head on. And I don't think this film was about that at all. It wasn't at all. It just happened it's just it's it's just a story about certain characters and it just happens so happens to be this certain situation. So, yeah. It's just something I noticed and it could it's it's not that it like ruined the experience at all. It, it would just pop into my head a little bit. It would bug me from now and then. But not not in like the most negative way. It's just oh, it's the night it's it's just that dynamic we've seen before. I guess that's the only right. thing. Um right. but as to how I feel f- overall in the film um it's a an amazing film i think it's gorgeous it's yeah 
as one of the just magical things about films, it makes you nostalgic for a time period you've never lived before. <laughs> it, like that's it's so incredible. Like the the level of detail that um di- the director Alfonso Cuarón used to bring you into this time period, and he like and I think you could tell that was the sole purpose of the film to 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 really just bring the viewer in to a, a, a time, a place yeah. um, that, that he once knew and once felt and he himself felt nostalgic for. Like, that's why so much of the film are just these grand sweeping shots of just immense detail of just life. Emphasis on the word grand. Yes, just life. And, and they just sweep around and show you. And it, it it's... So much of it is just making the viewer feel like they're living in this environment with the characters. And and I do think, um, and this is another reason why that other thing kind of doesn't bother me that much. I think the characters, um, for the most part, were, were meant to feel as like this could be any family. Like this is just yeah. the situation... This this was the life back then. Because they have mm-hmm. that one shot where um, um, they're doing laundry on the... Rooftop. In the rooftop, and then you see all the other, um, either maids or other uh, people doing the laundry as well. Like this, mm. this, this was life, you know. Um, and even if it's a more nostalgic um, interpretation of that time period through the eyes of a Fonda Quran, um, it holy shit, is it just so beautifully realized and so it's feels beautifully so realized, but. Real. I, I, Yes, I agree with that. It's beautifully realized, but I don't. Also, I think sometimes when people use the word nostalgic, I think um, people use that in a sense to maybe cover up uh, maybe how safe a movie goes. Sometimes I didn't feel the movie played, and not that I'm not saying that you say this, mm-hmm. but I don't think this movie held back from from no. showing you certain like very like horrible things that happened in this movie. But I think that's why it does such a good job of cementing you in that time period. It doesn't give you mm. an idealized view of that uh, because of like we're if we're doing if I'm doing a nostalgic piece of the '80s, it's everyone with wacky hair and everyone's like, "Hey, y'all!" You know, I don't know. Why I said, "Hey, y'all," <laughs> but like. <laughs> Um, it's, it's that, it's that eighties music and the crazy eighties outfits and it's all this, it, and it feels fun and it's retro video games and it's very idealized. Um, but with this, I think the only way to really, the the best way to really cement you in that time period is to make it feel real. And the way to make it Mm -hmm. feel real is to be realistic about, a lot of the hardships, a lot of the danger of that time period. And again, they don't hold back on that. There's several shots within the film where I'm just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, as it just pans over chaos and you're like, uh, how much work went into getting... Staging the movie? Yeah, staging the movie. And it's not even like they shot the chaos going on up close. It's It's from inside... A window, and again, that's yeah. that's what makes it. That's what puts the viewer inside that moment. Um, and I'm not saying specifically what the moment is. We'll get into it later. But because um, there's like all kinds of pandemonium going outside down in the streets, and you're inside this shop, uh, like two stories up with the characters, 
And despite the fact that it looks like it took like blockbuster levels of um, coordination to do all of this, you there's no grand sweeping shot from a helicopter that shows everything and it gets up close. You only see it from the point of view of the characters themselves. So you, you know, you feel that fear you feel. And I, I hate to keep saying this. It feels real. Um, but that's great filmmaking. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, let's get into the film. Let's get, let's get into it. Yeah. Let's get into this movie. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think what I said, I guess, in the pre-spoiler part of it, I think is about as much as you need to know about what this movie is and what it delves into. But more specifically, as you're getting into Cleo and um, and the lives of it, I, th- I just think for me, what made it so authentic was definitely the production design. You know, the this space that they fill the house in particular. And then also some of the other places they go to it really, they did a great job making you feel like you were there in Mexico city in mm-hmm. 1970 and 1971. Um, it, and for me, I, I, I actually liked that house a lot. And I loved mm-hmm. how they showed it off with how Coron, you know, moved the camera and just showed you what a giant space it actually felt like. Maybe it was made to feel bigger than life, maybe bigger than what it actually would be. Well, I will say this. I think black and white was deliberate in that it was. Yes. Because I keep bringing up nostalgic. I think black and white is deliberate because it's meant to feel like um, a bygone time. Like like a bygone era. Yeah. If if it was meant to be realistic and and not from more of a nostalgic perspective, like it's a moment like historically accurate to everything. And it, it's not that the film isn't historically accurate, but if, if it was meant to not be viewed from more of a nostalgic lens, I th- I don't think it would have been black and white. I think the black and white insinuates that, like um, that time passage. It's, it's us looking backwards, not us transporting to that time, I guess. Exactly. Um, and I'll, I'll just say this, you know, some of the things that I, I'll just say this as more of a generalization, maybe not a generalization, but maybe some things that I think I, you know, walked away with, with things that I recognize from other parts of my life that maybe are not so much a commentary on this movie, but just things that I, I like from what I noticed. I know in the scene where Cleo, uh, went to go look for, um, Herman or, or, or the person that, you know, her lover or, or so of that or, or not maybe. Um, but she went to go look for him because she wanted to, you know, Hey, I'm pregnant. Help me out here or something is what we inferred. She was going to go seek him out for and to let him know about that. I know that for me, what I, you know, what I took away from some of those moments, you know, apart from how beautiful it was is, you know, those slums that she passed by in particular, I think, were striking to me because um, I do have, you know, extended family that live in situations like that in Mexico. And I have visited them. Um, maybe not to that, you know, extent of, you know, of a disaster level, but it, it I, I do know there was this one shot of a close up of the house i think it was the one that ramon which was the cousin or brother of the person you know she was looking for they were playing a band or something and it just reminded me of times where i would visit family 
um, and they would be in that. And you know, they're they're happy. They're 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 doing fine for the most part. But that's just the state of their living condition. And it was always, I think, quite striking for me the difference uh, in people and how they live. Um, especially, you know, it's, it's for me. I couldn't help but just you know compare, you know, my family's living situation and of course some of my other family that live elsewhere. And that's also something that I think they got very right. And then also just like something that's, you know, that I that I liked was when uh, she was watching the demonstration. I don't know what was the name of the organization, the martial arts organization that he was involved with. Yeah. But I know that it had to have been from Japan because they were counting in Japanese, like each knee, sanchi, go, rook. That's what I learned well, when I, cause I, when I did I actually, that martial arts. I googled the organization after watching the film. Mm-hmm. Right. Guess which country had a huge influence on that organization? The U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, okay, can, can you can you tell us about that real quick? Because like, what were they exactly? Was it the Falcons or the Hawks? Is that what they were called? It was something like that. It was meant to like squash um, squash protests um, going on in Mexico at at that time. And that era. Oh wait! So they were against the protesters. Yes, they were hunting oh. down, killing the protesters. Oh my god! Yeah, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! So they were pro the government, and they were going out of their way to you know well, relieve them of the protesters. I don't think they realized how they were being manipulated. Yeah, but Holy that's how shit. they were being I... used. Yeah. That's interesting. That was also a, a, an interesting aspect that, you know, Quaron decided to include as far as the film. It's not a focus of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that you see happen along the way of the journey of our heroes, if you will. Well, yeah, like it wasn't um, even made clear because you didn't know that. Like, <laughs> no, it, yeah. Well, again, I mean, that wasn't so much about what was happening there. It's about how that event affected was affecting regular Cleo. people. Yeah, but also, but Cleo in particular, because her water broke. If maybe it was the the anxiety that caused her water to break, and then it led to this very um, emotional sequence where she was, you know, delivered to the hospital like two hours later, and then she has the baby. And I, I guess I should talk about this now, where she, you know, the baby born, you know, is born dead. Yeah, and that I think is it's also you know. Uh, it, it's a big moment for her, even though maybe perhaps it's not immediately seized on in the following scenes how big it was. You know, you, you can tell she's very much affected by the situation, but it's not revealed to the end of the movie after another emotional sequence where she basically saves her, you know, her, what's her called? Her, her suit. Her, what's the word I'm looking for? Her, her not not her children but she pretty much sees them oh, as her children basically because uh, she takes care the of kids them she takes care of yeah right right um but it, it feels kind of cheap to say it that way because even from the beginning of the movie that's not how she sees these kids i, I would say like i think she no. she loves these kids just as much as they love her and she, so much so that she risks her life to save them and then of course she reveals that she had wished that her son wasn't born at all and she ended up getting that wish and well, well, how you know Again, that, that's that's why I really love this film because it's even though it's about very specific characters, I I really feel like this film isn't about them specifically. It is about this place, this time. Those characters right. could be anyone, and it's a very mm-hmm. human thing about like 
the struggle she went through and, you know, she felt guilty because she lost the child and in her mind, she never wanted the child to be born. And it's really showing the struggles that the different, all the kinds of different people that lived in that area at that time went through. So they show you the struggles of, again, the upper, the more richer upperclassmen, they, um, what their life was like, what they were doing, but then they'll, they'll show some of the lower class during the city, some of the um, the political shit that was going down. Mm-hmm. Um, they show you the city, they show you um, the ranches. It, it it it's really just trying to give you a bottle view of like this is life right now, the good, mm-hmm. the bad, the ugly. Um, and again, that's kind of how memory works. It's, yeah. it's the little details um, that that really we we grasp onto the the way a certain room smelled when we were a kid. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the certain creak a door would make um, in the winter or whatever. And I think that's the those little details are the way this film plays on people, and it's so great. I don't know, I did. No, I, I I agree. Um, any details? Anything else as far as specific moments from the movie that you loved or maybe didn't like, but uh, just things that stick out to you? I've been meaning to ask you because I have no clue. Um, I, I have to think about it more. I haven't given it much thought, but I I have no clue what exactly the meaning is behind the airplane imagery. Because it's pretty yeah. big within the film. Like the film opens yeah. up with the shot with the airplane. Um, there's several moments without throughout the film where you see the airplane go by in, in the background. Um, mm-hmm. There's a shot when they're at dinner, um, and the mother is explaining to the children, like, "Well, your dad's gone," and I think one of the kids has like a toy airplane, and then of course that's that's how the film ends. Um, ah, as we watch the airplane fly over. Uh, the city, and then it says Roma. Um, I have no clue how exactly it plays into the larger themes in the story. Um, but it's something I caught, and I'm very interested. I don't know. Uh, I noticed most of that. I did not notice, in fact, maybe I did, but didn't pay much attention to the fact that, um, that uh, one of the kids was playing with a toy airplane at the precise moment that uh, the mother had told the family that, you know, the, the husband, their father, was no longer going to be in their lives, um, that they weren't, you know, not mm-hmm. going to be necessarily a family anymore. And I think for me, since it's in that scene for a clear uh, purpose, I think for me the first explanation that I could gather from that is that perhaps the plane itself is supposed to symbolize the father and him leaving. Mm -hmm. Because what do airplanes do? They leave. They come and they go, and they never really are part of your lives. Maybe the the planes themselves are supposed to symbolize where the father is at that trajectory of the movie. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there's that. For me, uh, Not maybe not thinking about that, what I took away from it, from my first... I saw it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, my first viewing, I I had assumed that that was there to kind of also add into the atmosphere of the movie. Oh, a plane is just going that, by. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. A plane is just going by and it's adding into this is just normal everyday life as it was back then. And maybe it is that. <laughs> mm. um, it, That's what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the, the, the kid holding a pl- mm-hmm. an airplane that he was playing with. But I think it was there that now that now that you're you're reminding me about it. And maybe there is uh, a meaning behind that. It could be both. I, I think it, it's probably both. I feel if there's a meaning. It's more of like I don't think it's. Well, I still have no clue, but I I would feel like it probably wouldn't be to one specific character, but like a larger, a much larger theme of like the whole the whole film itself, right? Because right. it 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 starts the film and it bookends the film, and it, it's just kind of constantly, uh, pun intended, hovering over the film. Although I guess <laughs> planes don't hover, but whatever, pun still intended. Uh, so so yeah, I don't know. Um, the acting was fantastic. Oh my god, it was great! No, I I loved it. Um, uh, I, 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 we need to give you know a particular shout out uh, to the lead actresses of this movie again. Very much a female focus movie. Where was their nominations? Damn it! (laughs) Well, they're foreign, so I guess they don't count. Ask the the Horn Hollywood Press Association for that. (laughs) Darn it. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Yalitza Aparicio and, and Marina de Tavira uh, as uh, Cleo and also Sofia, the mother of the children, I think were very, very good uh, in this movie. Like, very, very good. Uh, from uh, Most of the performance from Yalitza, who, who, who is uh, the actress that does Cleo, the maid here, a lot of it is dependent on her reacting to what's going on in her life yeah. in a very silent manner. Mm-hmm. So it's very reliant upon her facial expressions. And and I think every time, whether it might to some people, you know, maybe be similar to every everything that happens to her, but I think um, the performance and the emotion that uh, are triggered by the events of this movie, I think is very present on, on her and it's weighing on her throughout the whole movie, and you feel that even though it's not said externally. She's definitely a very, very subdued character. Um, yes, very passive. But like, like you said, she. That I feel like that's almost a harder character to play in a film. Oh yeah, because. Um, you don't have many big moments to express yourself emotionally, so a lot of it has to go into little facial work, uh, little vocal cues, in- into the few lines that you have, like really know how to sell it. You have to sell a lot with very little. And you have and to be a you have very to be likable. Um, and you have to be likable. At, at the end of it, you have to be... Yeah, yeah. On. You have to be likable because this character is meant to be likable. But and maybe a lot of times these kind of characters that are perhaps more stoic and more subtle have a harder have a harder time from the acting part of it anyway to be likable. But I, I think a, a lot of this movie is dependent through her her gaze, her her uh, her perspective. And on some level, you have to feel like you like this person and you have to like know her. And I can think of two other performances that I think audiences. Well, maybe not to audiences, but, but but that to me, that we're trying to capture something similar of this field. I think of, um, well, it's it's also just comparing Apple to Oranges, but I think of Ryan Gosling and First Man, and why I think he gave a very good performance and a very true performance to... Wait, you're telling to me that Ryan Gosling played a subdued character? 
Wow. Oh, my God. Uh, I spe- well, I mean, subdued especially for him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, uh, Neil Armstrong was not a very exciting personality, it would seem, and that's saying a lot. Um, but, again, it's very cold. It's very detached. And at the end of the day, you don't really, you know, care about him all that much. And then another another character that I think was just lost in his own movie was uh, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa and Black Panther. And that may be because of writing issues, but I think also maybe that maybe he just wasn't. Um, I don't know. I'm just you know, th- those are other performances that kind of come to mind. But I think here it was done very very well, and I think she did a very good job at capturing that. And I also did like the family, I liked the the kids, um, and you know, a lot of the the locations that they went to. Um, what do you think of, of, of the sequence uh, where – let me see here. What did you make of the sequence that we, we had alluded to earlier in, in, in terms of execution, what you thought of it overall, uh, when the protest uh, and, and the shootings happen and they have to race to the hospital and then her – and then them getting the baby out of her? Uh, I mean – that like I, as far as acting wise goes again that's one of those things where you you don't have a, a lot of dialogue you, you, all you have is your expressiveness um all you have is to show emotion for what's a very devastating moment in anyone's life all of it i think yes. was devastating and traumatic to tell you yes <laughs> yeah and the way that the camera never stops just moving and just in the same way that in the quiet moments, like in the beginning of the film, where we're just listening to the sounds outside, the plane go by, the cars, um, people walking down the street. And, it, and it's, it, it's almost like dogs barking. dogs barking. It's almost just very calming and soothing. And and the and the camera just slowly pans around to really so you live in this moment, um, and that same method being used in just these dark, horrendous scenes that are really kind of fucked up in many ways, um, and just the level of coordination that was necessary, like during that whole birth birthing scene. There is like so much going on in the background, like yeah. like that's what I noticed. Um, the husband even pops in, yeah, uh, randomly out of nowhere. Like uh, Alfonso Cuarón is amazing with extras because yeah. like there is like there was shit going on in the background. I'm like, what's going on? Like I tried to peek over, like I could move my head around the mm-hmm. TV to see what was going on in the back. So was this. Um, like uh this nurse or something going crazy talking to the patient like it 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 almost feels like he wrote out entire scenes Mm. and dialogue for what's going on in the back with uh with other characters that are literally just window dressing for what's going on um with our character in the foreground uh it's just it's it's one of those things where it's like scalpel precision like uh, Alfonso Cuarón is a fine craftsman where he, like he just knows how to do everything so perfectly 
And he mm-hmm. he's like an artist with his tiny little brush that comes in like, okay, this here, that here, that here, that here. And he gets so much out of so little. Um, uh, these, these, these two scenes specifically, when everything starts going down in the uh, baby, I don't even think it was specifically like a baby story. I think it was just like a furniture store. Yeah, All it the, was. Leading up until everything that goes down at the hospital. Like, as I was experiencing all that, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is a feat. Like, this is something seriously impressive. Yeah. I think, that for me, that, that sequence, I think, what was, I think, maybe my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just great. Um, I do want to take this time. I'm going to ask you about a different sequence, but I do want to remind people. Now, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, and I did not know this until you know they announced it while we were watching the Globes tonight. Alfonso Cuaron did not only direct this movie, he wrote this movie, he also edited the film, and he was the cinematographer of the movie. So, and usually uh, you have teams of people that do that job for all those different departments. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe... And I don't know that with the amount of extras that we got in this movie, it's at some parts it, it feels more intimate, in some parts it feels rather grand. So I think it it was uh, something I think to note and people to understand uh, walking away from this. Now, what did you make of this sequence in uh, Veracruz uh, or the, the beach scene, if you will? I think you, you I, I kind of felt it coming the minute she said, do not, to the, because the whole Cause thing the, is happening. Because they're kids, you know and kids are stupid. <laughs> yeah, kids are, yeah, well, you, you just knew that was going to happen. Um, but I, I just was now reminded, and I, forgive me, uh, I, I want to just put pause real quick on that sequence, and I want to rewind the tape, as it were, to that great scene of of the mom telling the kids that the dad's not going to come back. And I just thought to myself while watching that, like, this is brutal. How? I love the way it was done. Because, like, she she kind of had a smile on her face the whole time. And you can tell it was kind of, like, painted on. Like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, It's going to be an adventure. I'm going to get a new job. It's going to be fun. And, like, while some of the kids are just kind of confused and others, the older ones just kind of break down crying because they they better understand the ramifications of what she's saying. And and yeah. it's all at the, at the background of just like some random restaurant. Um, is mm-hmm. the regular and hustle and the muscle. waitress comes and asks the kids what kind of flavor ice cream they want mm-hmm. at the end of it. it the, the the scene with uh, at the beach is great because it's it really is the emotional climax of the film. It's everything yes. that's been going on with the with the family finally just explodes and and the character is able to release that and everything that was going on with um our main character what's her name Cleo Cleo yeah. everything like she's finally able to just explode and release it and they kind of find solace in each other um well I mean it, just to, to to just talk about that I mean it's it said repeatedly that Cleo does not know how to swim Yes. Uh, and and she had said repeatedly to the kids, do not go off near the shore or you're going to get, you know, sucked in because that's how the ocean is. It, it takes you in when you're least expecting it. And you see that moment coming and Cleo being Cleo 
goes in and, and, and kind of just risks her life, essentially, going after these kids. And if it weren't for her, they would have died. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she brings them. She takes them back. And and then, of course, you have the infamous – not the infamous, but you have the – you have your – I guess your money shot or you also have the poster, essentially. Yeah. When they're all hugging each other. Which that's a the, great poster. Like, I, I – I love it. Yeah. That's – I think for me that's that's the movie. Mm-hmm. That 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 captures what the movie is. That that's what great posters do. In in just mm-hmm. one shot, they capture everything that the film is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and it was a beautifully acted scene as well. Probably my favorite line of the film is uh, when the mom comes home drunk, and oh, she goes she goes yeah. to Cleo, and she's like, "No matter what they tell you, us women are alone," and then. We're always alone. Yeah, and then just kind of walks off. Um, I don't know. I just think that's a really fantastic line. It is. And one, might I say, is quite relevant. And I think a lot of people um, feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, something also, again, it's not really a, a, well, maybe it could be considered a statement of the movie, but it's not something it focuses on. It just no. says it, and then it moves on. But I mean, the story is very much about women, and and yeah, um, there there are main care, there are heart, that there there yeah. are vessels through which we're viewing this time period. Um, but I just think more than that, it's just a very human uh, statement. And yes, especially considering what they were both going through at that time. And of course, you know, being there, there there are also little touches that felt very, you know, I'm sure for those who live in Mexico City felt very, you know, uh, authentic and accurate. Like every everyone in Mexico City has a dog. There's an abundance of dogs. There's so there. many dogs. <laughs> there and there's also so earthquakes. Funny. It's so funny the scene when they're like, uh, oh yeah, these are the heads of all the dead dogs. Um, um I was that was Okay, and then but then like the 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 dog comes of like the 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 dog that's still alive comes over and it's like oh yeah like, you'll be there so, that that was kind of sad it was sad maybe it was dark humor for me because I was just like because it just caught me off guard like holy shit like there's this just a from? wall of like dog heads and it's like oh man um but also with just the uh, excessive amount of dogs. Um, especially at yeah. that time. Uh, but also, there, like, there's little things, again, what really makes it feel so alive is that they don't dive into what's happening at All that the time things period. that are happening. Like, like an earthquake happened in the middle of the movie where there's a, mm-hmm. at the hospital. An earthquake? And earthquakes happen in Mexico City happen a lot. There's, like offhanded remarks about uh disputes over land and then yes um, her mother cleo's mother who's never seen on on camera but that's brought up i think once or twice by the other maid about how they took away her land or her house or something mm -hmm. and then of course someone sets the the land on fire obviously um again they don't spell it out probably retaliation um yeah sending a message um but what makes it work is that they don't dive into the politics. They don't break down and like, okay, this is this this is what's going on. This is what's going on, and they don't take a point of view. It's just like, no, like this is just life right now. 
Um, yeah. And that really just puts you in that place and period. And uh, it's so effective because of that. Yes, it is. And you feel it. and you, Which is what movies are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Movies are... They're, they're vessels through which we uh, convey human experiences. Mm-hmm. If, if that's sort of the way I could distill down the definition of film. Um, so I think that's why an emotional reaction is so important to a film. Because that's kind of the point. <laughs> if, if we don't have one, an emotional reaction doesn't mean you cry or, you know, you're you're distraught. It, it could be just like happiness. It could be um, like a, a cheesy, dumb blockbuster could give you a huge emotional reaction. Um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't exactly have to be a tearjerker or a drama that just devastates you in order for it to have merit. It doesn't, really, it doesn't have to be a certain kind of movie and it may not even be in a movie you like all that much, but there's some stuff in there that triggers an emotion out of you that you weren't expecting. That can happen. I'll tell you anything for me, not to get away from Roma, but I was with Kyle yesterday, and guess what movie he ended up showing me? Uh, Christopher Robin. Oh, um, God. <laughs> of course, he, he, and he just put it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I quite liked it, by the way. Um, Wait, he owned Christopher Robin? He got it for a Christmas present. Oh, okay. Uh, but oh, of course, but he sense. would, you know. Yeah. Because um, he, I mean, he, if you listen to the Fantasy Fair, I'm not sure who. Uh, well, if you listen to it, you know that they did a whole series on Winnie the Pooh and its history with Disney. And I have to say, as far as the film, I thought it was, well, it was done very well. Uh, tastefully done, I'd say. Very small scale film. But I think what was special about it that it stayed true to what Winnie the Pooh always was. I am not, I think, anywhere near as nostalgic about it as I think Kyle and Alexis Moreno are as far as that property is concerned. But I will say that I, I myself w- was triggered by some emotions uh, in a very manipulative, manipulative way, I would say, of how what it does. But that's, I think, an example of you know kind of things that just sneak up on you when you're watching movies, what the power of it really is really mm-hmm. um this roma itself probably my favorite film of the year um really? I've, I've, and, uh, you know yeah yeah i want to say real quickly i don't want to derail that but i wanted to say look if i think maybe uh, i probably wouldn't feel the way that i do about this right now if i maybe maybe even a year or two years ago because and also I don't think I, and I think you may also feel this way. If this movie didn't do that good of a job of making you care about the people, mm-hmm. you know, these characters, yeah, um, there may be more of a of a barrier between the movie. Oh and yeah, absolutely. And I think it may have had maybe a quasi Dunkirk effect. Uh, both you and I, I think, respect the craft that's done. Mm-hmm. On a technical aspect with Dunkirk, but don't care about the movie overall because it, there was just zero character work. There was nothing here, to attach me to the film, yeah. There really wasn't, but here it's the family. Mm-hmm. And I think you get to know them and you get to feel like you're a part of them in some aspects mm-hmm. by seeing through this prism. So I think for me, 
It is among my favorite, and I have to say, um, I know that for some listeners, I gave a, pre- a, pre- a preliminary list of top 10 movies that has been blown to pieces in the last few days, oh, in part, shit. in large part, because of this movie. Okay. And I say blown to pieces. Oh, shit. Like, rip it up entirely, because it, it really threw the whole thing upside down. I w- and I think for me, I loved it much more the second time. That I I think that tends to happen with you when you like when yeah. you like a film the second time mm-hmm. usually is 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 a better go around. Um, but sometimes I'll say sometimes it has the opposite effect. Sometimes yeah, I don't think as highly as mm-hmm. the first time. And there were some movies that kind of went down when I rewatched them this past week. So um, I feel like like I don't feel that like I'm giving anything away by saying that Roma is probably my top film of the year. Um, basically mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm very predictable when it comes to my number ones. I have no issue calling it the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think me specifically, I'm very predictable mm-hmm. as far as what I consider the best film of the year. Um, I don't know. I think you need to reconsider your, your list last year. Because as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. The Last Jedi should have been your number one. And it wasn't. <laughs> I think it was your top ten. Because The Last Jedi, you seem to watch every single week. So if I were you... I think for me, that tells me, for me anyway, mm-hmm. the number of movies you rewatch a movie, I think, implies more than just, I think, initial praise. Like, you seem to me to love that film that maybe you should go back and change that list because it was not number one last time I checked Last Jedi. Um, uh, this is my issue with that, though. Um, okay. And it, and it might just be a me thing. Um, I am very emotionally affected by films. Mm-hmm. So films that I know have a very like like Mary Poppins, like Mary Poppins returns, um, <laughs> uh, back again. <laughs> Guess who's back? Uh, back again. F- films that I just know are gonna just be a sucker punch to my emotions. I may love the film, I may adore the film, but it's not mm-hmm. a film I can just throw on and watch anytime. It's a film where like I gotta be in the mood. Like I gotta a lot of films for me, it's like I gotta prepare myself before yeah. jumping down that there rabbit is such hole a thing. again. There there are just certain there are certain movies you can throw on mm-hmm. and enjoy them just fine, and there are certain others that you need to get in the right mood for. I'll give you an example of what not to do. Mm-hmm. Just because you're curious. Never watch Schindler's List at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Never. Never that's, do that. Yeah. Okay. You see, that, that's that's my point right there. Schindler's List, fantastic film. You cannot throw just throw that on. It's like, oh, it, it, The Last Jedi is a film where it's like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, lazy Sunday afternoon. Uh, let me throw it on real quick. See it for a bit. I can't do that to Schindler's List. I can't be like, no. oh, nice, lazy afternoon. Let me just watch Schindler's List for, for have, a, have a wonderful Because that has an effect on you. Like, yes. There are certain movies that you know are gonna, going to affect you in some way. And I'll say this recently. I rewatched Black Klansman. And it, nothing, you know, not to knock the quality of the movie, but it made me angry um, because of clearly the subject matter. Yes, yes. Like, I'll put it this way. There are films that I love, but I don't like the way they leave me feeling. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But The Last Jedi is the kind of film where I, I, I live looking like, yay, 
heroic. Or maybe even the Star and, is Born could be that way. Although Star is Born is there's some fun performances, but then it ends with well, you know how it ends. It's not that big of a surprise. Yeah, it's I doubt that fun. will be. But it's like so. I'll, um, the I'll be honest. The only thing that I would probably change about my 2017 list is I have now seen Phantom Thread. And mm. Phantom Thread might be able to make make it in there. Um, yeah, that's the only thing they yeah. would probably change it around. But I I look back at it, I'm like, no, nah, I really did like um, uh, what's it called a lot? Three billboards. Yeah, it's great. And then, <laughs> like, I, I look at the films I have, at, like Get Out. Um, Florida Project. And I'm like, no. I, I still feel good about it a year later. Again, the only one that would probably shake it up a little bit would be um, Phantom Thread. But I haven't thought about it much. So, yeah. mm, Maybe it's best not to. Because you have to focus on another list Yay. coming up for this year. Which, <laughs> this one is so much harder for different reasons. Different reasons. I agree with you. I, I since you know since we have the opportunity, I've been I've been out of my way to to rewatch the movies and kind of get a different perspective and see if it changed. And it it turns out it changed a lot. So, um, I I think I'm pretty safe in the movies that will be on the list. I'm just more I'm less certain about the positioning of it, oh, okay. which is also just pretty arcane because like you're comparing all these different movies and like all this different stuff and like so. But I, I've I've just done that considering that I know for a fact that well we we will not record that until March I would assume. Uh, I am and Kyle trying, for whatever reason it. and you know what I, I don't know if Kyle Lara is listening I do not know why you're you have decided to just at this moment rewatch all of Seinfeld when there I think you have a bigger <laughs> list of movies to watch than me and Peter. I I there is no point in trying to control him because no no. <laughs> He'll find a new shiny object and he'll start running after that. It, no. And I'm sorry that I think I feel. I mean, if the shoe fits, I mean that's the shoe. Definitely, the shoe definitely fits. Although his his 2017 list was easily the most shocking. So uh, was well. Is that a joke? Or even- it was. I, there were several things that I was surprised didn't make the list, and several things I was surprised did make the list for Kyle. I think you, I think yours was the least shocking. I think you seemed surprised, and Kyle seemed surprised at certain things I had to put on my list. Maybe the positioning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, me being the bold one out there, and you know, picking a documentary mm-hmm. and a movie made by a female filmmaker as my number one. So, Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go out there. In that sense, so and I, I will guarantee you there will be a documentary on my list again. Oh, kinds of I already well. know that. Yeah. I still need to see said documentary. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Were there any last uh, lingering thoughts you had on Roma that you wanted to discuss? Uh, you saying right now it's your favorite of the year? Yeah. Again, I still have a few films I need to watch, so it's possible. Like Bohemian Rhapsody and like Venom. Bohemian that could change the whole Venom, thing entirely. Man. I need to watch Black Panther for the tenth time. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Bumblebee. Well, actually, I do need to see Bumblebee. <laughs> that one's a serious <laughs> one. I do need to see that. One. Um, no, 
Yeah, and it's 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 probably not going to change. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But if it does, that will be awesome because that means that the film I will have to watch a film that's really fucking good or like I really love in order to overtake it. So that that would could just only be awesome. I'm telling you, Venom, you gotta see that. <laughs> Imagine that ends up on your top ten, but for a different reason altogether. It's like a turd in the wind. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Perfect marketing campaign, by the way. Overall, um, loved Roma. Um, I don't even know if there's tiny critiques for the like. Like I had that one sort of major overarching critique but as far as like tiny little nitpicks here and there mm-hmm. like i can't really nitpick like like i don't know like they're they're really i can't think of any negatives okay no i i didn't have any if i was an extreme nitpicker there was one scene in which there was a lizard walking across the dirt and it that's the only time within the whole film where it was visibly cgi um mm-hmm. and that's it like that's <laughs> that's literally it so yeah go watch Roma it's so easy you for sure have a Netflix account yeah I'm sure you do well um, I'm gonna say right now uh, thank you uh, all of you uh, who are listening we appreciate it um, I want to thank Peter for joining me on this discussion and I encourage all of you to go see that film uh, I think out of most of the movies that we've discussed this is the easiest one um, the, the easiest one to, to, to see on your Netflix. Uh, and I think most of you do have Netflix. Um, so without any further ado, I want to just go ahead and sign off, uh, by saying thank you and bye-bye. <laughs>